Part 3. She Don't Lie. Chapter 15. May 1979, age 24. Warmer air from the south had invaded the east coast, and with it came the incentive for New Yorkers to get out of their homes and into the city parks or take walks along neighborhood streets. Robert and Angelo opted for the walk, strolling down a busy Liberty Avenue in the middle of a bright afternoon. Between Four Bell and 74th Streets, he gestured toward a place that sold knishes, a favorite Jewish delicacy of Robert's since experiencing them with Squinty while on the lamb a few years ago. Let's go in here, he said to Angelo, making his way to the door. As they approached the counter, a petite brunette with a smirk on her face met them with a pad and pen, ready to take their order. What can we get for you? she asked, looking down at the pad. Robert started to order, but before he did, he got a good look at the girl's face. Hey, I know you. Her smirk got wider. And I know you too, Robert. Yeah, you're Rose's friend, Cece, right? Rose was a girl Robert dated some years back when he and Anthony Ruggiano were still running together. Wow, you have an amazing memory, she said, her eyes fixed on the pad. Yeah, that was quite a while back, Robert said. Cece finally looked up from the pad, turning her eyes to Angelo. As I can remember, we met him and his friends at the fudge factory. Angelo took a half step back from Robert and raised an eyebrow. The fudge factory? You went to a gay bar? Robert had to have a smile and shrugged. Hey, all the straight pretty girls were there. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, we went there to hide from guys like you, Cece said to Robert, pleased with her sarcasm. Well, I have to tell you, word got out fast. How's Rose? Robert said. I don't know. Haven't seen her in a while. The bell dangling over the door sounded as another customer came in. Cece returned her attention to the pad. So, are you going to order or just waste more of my time? Robert glanced at Angelo. Boy, she's one tough cookie, isn't she? Cece glared at him. Okay, just trying to break the ice here. We'll have six knishes. Anything to drink? A couple of Cokes. After leaving the knish place, Robert and Angelo headed back the way they came. Angelo rinsed his mouth with a gulp of his Coke. So that's the same Cece Messina, Robert interrupted, Tommy's wife. Tommy Messina was the hottest topic among the members of the Gambino family, but only in quiet, small circles. Robert knew of his reputation as a hot-tempered gunslinger that took much pleasure in killing and not getting caught. Even those who were close to him called him a psychopath. He was tight with Jimmy Burke, the father of Robert's friend Frankie Burke, and the mastermind behind the infamous Lufthansa heist in which over $6 million in cash and jewelry was stolen from the JFK International Airport. Robert was very familiar with Tommy's ways. He once drove Nicky and Lenny to a meeting that included Tommy. Nicky gave Robert the order that if Tommy came out of the meeting before they did, it would mean that Tommy had killed them. If that were the case, then Robert would have to kill Tommy. Fortunately, Nicky and Lenny appeared from the meeting in good health, and no one had to die. Sometime at the beginning of the year, Tommy disappeared. Lots of rumors were floating around, but the most reliable word was he was whacked because he killed two of John Gotti's close associates without permission several years earlier. Another rumor was he went into hiding to avoid being killed. Robert wasn't for sure which story was true, but he did know he was interested in Cece. So he had to make sure Tommy was indeed out of the picture before he even considered asking her out. The opportunity came the next day when he was driving Nikki to Manhattan for a friendly game of Pinnacle as Neil Delacroce's partner. 
He's gone, Nikki said in response to Robert's question. Like, he's gone, gone? Yeah, you don't have to worry about him. But are you sure you want to go out with Cece? You know she's not exactly take-home-to-mother material. She seems like a fun kind of girl. It's not like I'm going to marry her or anything. The next day, he marched into the Kanish place and asked Cece out. She accepted. Robert and Cece partied every night, drinking excessively and snorting coke. Their relationship was extremely volatile due to two flammable contents, Robert's jealousy and Cece's desire for attention from more than one man. Robert dealt with Cece's flirtatious ways by either beating somebody up or relying heavily on the numbing effects of drugs and alcohol. As the drugs grew in prominence in Robert's life, it began to drive a wedge between him and Nikki, who was adamant about upholding the mafia code prohibiting their use or sale. He told Robert it made a man unstable and therefore unreliable. But Robert saw Nikki as one of the old schoolers who wasn't up with the times. Many of the guys in Manhattan were selling and using, and he didn't see them as unreliable. About a year after Robert started dating Cece, he met a guy named Cuccio. Cuccio was considered an expert on freebasing, which experienced a boost in popularity as a recreational drug after Richard Pryor set himself on fire while trying to get high. Up until then, Robert had snorted coke with Cece while out at the nightclubs with their friends. Freebasing was a, quote, step up into the realm of getting high. Anyone that was someone chose to freebase instead of snort coke. When Robert snorted coke, he would be on a sleepless binge for several days. When he freebased, he got high at a more intensified level and then went home to crash. This led him to errantly believe there was a less addictive quality to freebasing than coke. Robert developed a network of fellow freebasers, and through that network, he was always able to maintain an ample supply of friends with whom to enjoy it. It was his intention to do just that with a friend by the name of Vincent Minicciello. Vinny was ex-military who received 100% disability for a mental disorder, which funded his drug habit. On one particular Saturday night, Vinny invited Robert to freebase with him. He told him a girl he had parted with before, a prostitute who worked at a brothel several houses down the road, would be partying with them and to meet him at her apartment. Robert accepted the invitation, but instead of going directly to Vinny's, he went to a nightclub on Long Island with Cece for several hours. While there, he got into a fight and was arrested, landing him in the Nassau County Jail, where he spent the rest of the weekend. The following evening, he strolled into the jail's common area. The news was blaring from the TV hanging overhead. At first, he started to move away from the TV and its loudness, until he noticed the two photographs plastered on its screen. The photos were of Vinny and the girl. He listened to the anchorman and learned that the two had been found shot to death at the girl's apartment, the very place he intended to be before he was arrested. His heart skipped a beat as he realized that once again, he had quite possibly skirted death. Even though he was shaken up by the incident, the murder of his friend did little to deter Robert from his drug habit. He and Cuccio were now freebasing regularly. Robert would bring his coke to Cuccio, who would do his magic, turning the illegal substance into a purer form that supposedly had fewer side effects, but one thing that surely remained was paranoia. As he and Cuccio continued with their arrangement, he began to believe that Cuccio was setting aside some of the coke for himself, or perhaps selling it and not sharing in the profits. Feeling betrayed, Robert went to Cuccio's apartment one evening with two of his friends. He went inside and found Cuccio asleep on his bed. 
Without waking him, Robert pulled a revolver from his pants and fired point-blank at Cuccio's head. Instead of sending a bullet through Cuccio's skull, the gun exploded in Robert's hand, its parts falling onto the bed. Cuccio woke with a scream and ran out of the room, passing all three men who stood there in shock. Several months later, Robert was parked along the street when he saw Cuccio again. Instead of avoiding Robert, he walked up to the passenger window and tapped on the glass. Robert unlocked the door and Cuccio climbed in as if nothing had ever happened. They shared a few minutes of small talk and a couple of hits on Cuccio's pipe. After a moment of strange silence, Cuccio opened the car door and exited. Robert never heard from or saw him again.